1: What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars. Going to do a special edition today, a crossover edition with Locked On Utes. J.T. Wistersill is the new host of Locked On Utes. Yes, we're crossing enemy lines, but he had a great idea for a crossover edition here. What would a hypothetical BYU-Utah matchup this season? Of course, they're not playing this year because they have their schedules filled out in other ways, but what would a hypothetical matchup between the Utes and the Cougars play out as? He and I went back and forth on this, kind of examined the game for from all different angles special crossover edition just understand there's gonna be a lot of red here it's gonna be under the utes banner here in the locked on podcast network want to give you a heads up it's time for a special edition of locked
0: on cougars and locked on utes utah and byu might not be playing this year but who would win in the 2022 matchup if the two teams did face off You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a special Locked On crossover podcast with Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars. I'm JT Wisterstil joined by Jake Hatch to talk about one of the best rivalries in college sports. Unfortunately, we don't have it this year, Jake, but BYU versus Utah, always fun to talk about this great rivalry. Oh, absolutely. Thanks. By the way.
1: JT, it is a pleasure to be back on Locked On Utes. You're doing a killer job uh, with the relaunch of this ep- of this podcast. But thank you for the invite. And yes, what is better than to talk about than the holy war?
0: it's just it's so great you get fans and so last year was my first introduction in terms of going in person to a game which of course it's kind of funny because Utah had the one at nine years straight and then they finally lose the one I go to but it was such a fun game to be at still at least for me because I was like this atmosphere is what college football is all about so I've never had more fun probably the game where my team lost yes I was bummed but it was just like I can see what makes this rivalry so great because I've yet to go to a game with. Utah has hosted it, so it was. it's definitely a bummer we won't get it this year, and I don't know about you, Jay, because we're going to talk about it. I think it would be an awesome game if these two teams did face off. I am curious, as you cover the Cougars so much, what are your thoughts on this Utah team? As someone who used to host Locked On Utes.
1: Well, let me, let me first off say, I guess Utah fans, Director hated hey JT for that for that loss last year, because he's the bad luck charm, apparently, showing up and then, <laughs> yes. uh, then Utah losing, but, uh, but moving on to my thoughts on Utah, I'm actually really intrigued to see what Utah does this year, kind of an encore to that Rose Bowl season a year ago. A phenomenal year for the Utes by any measure. You make the Rose Bowl, in my mind, you have accomplished one of the great things in college football. I'm a kid who absolutely loves college football. It's my favorite sport, bar none. Uh, It's number one in my book. And to watch a a program that I I covered for a time doing Locked On Utes, I cover in my day-to-day job with the KSL Sports Zone over there. Uh, The the fun part was seeing them in Pasadena on January 1. uh, It was just so fun to see that and see that out there in the Rose Bowl and just enjoying that so the biggest thing this year is what can they do for the encore can they make another run at the roses can they potentially be a college football playoff uh, contender as well if they have one of those undefeated type seasons Uh, we'll see what happens but the biggest thing for me is I think Utah is well prepared and loaded to make another run at it that's the good news if you're a Utah fan
0: yeah, I, I feel the same way about Utah, obviously. And I feel like BYU's in the same position of having a very strong season as well. Especially, you look at what a great year they had last year, ex- excluding kind of the bowl game. That, that was kind of a weird thing. They obviously thought they deserved better than what they ended up. And the committee did definitely slight them as well. But, I mean, that was a team that had so many great wins last year. And you look at some of the injuries they had on the defensive side of the ball as well. Could have been even better last year. So that's something very interesting. Offensively return a lot of guys. So I think BYU's in for a big year as well. I think they're an eight and four, seven and five team, maybe even nine and three team. I think this is a really good team and they got a lot of fun games this year as well, Jake.
1: Well, and that's the thing about it with with BYU is it's the final year of independence. They're going into the Big Twelve next year, but their final season is going to leave BYU fans wanting more because they're playing a number of Power Five teams. They got Baylor on the schedule. They got Notre Dame. They got Arkansas. They got Oregon. They got Stanford. Those are the Power Five games. Then you also have the Utah State game. You got Boise State. So there's a lot of intrigue for the Cougars. That that's the positive news if you're a BYU fan. Uh, and I think there's a lot of BYU fans that look at uh, what Utah's done the past decade, having opportunities Opportunities to compete for a Pac-12 title, and that's one thing that they've kind of been missing out on is the opportunity to play for a conference championship, and beginning 2023, a year from now, BYU will officially be part of the Big 12 and competing for a Big 12 championship, and I think BYU fans are very much going to be looking forward to that because it's, it's kind of the one thing that's been lacking for the better part of a decade with BYU running as an independent
0: for sure it is going to be very exciting and those once you are able to capture that conference championship it just it does mean something special you work so hard for your season and then you take the month off for a bowl game so it's kind of weird having your championship game it's the only sport like that where there is such a large gap between your final game really so definitely something interesting that BYU is now going to have an opportunity to compete for but before we get into before all of that discussion ensues about how they'll do in the Big 12 I think one of the fun things to talk about is who would win in a matchup this year between the Cougars and the Utes? Last year, we already talked about it. BYU got the big win at home, and they're another they're a strong team as well again this year. So are the Utes. So it would be a really fun game if the Holy War was able to happen this year. Unfortunately, it's not, but we're going to break down what would hypothetically happen, in our opinion, if these two teams did play. So we're going to start off by looking at how Utah's offense would fare against BYU's Defense. So, Jake, who do you think is the edge in that matchup and why? Well, okay,
1: let me acknowledge this right up front. With Cameron rising, Utah's offense is infinitely more dangerous than they were than when they faced BYU last year. It's nothing against uh Utah, but they made the wrong decision with the quarterback last year to start the season. I mean, there's there's no arguing that. So Here's the thing. Utah's offense is going to be absolutely awesome this year. I'm fully expecting them to be lights out. I think the tight end position is absolutely stacked with guys like Brant Keithy as well as Dalton Kincaid there. I think that Cameron Rising is a potential NFL guy. There's some early hype for him as being a dark horse first-round draft pick. The running back position sure looks like it is well on its way to being one of the premier positions once again for the Utes. The wide receiver position looks pretty well stocked, and and the offensive line looks good. So, I think that it would actually be a Better matchup for BYU's defense than it was a year ago, just simply due to the upgrade at quarterback play. Now BYU, when they faced Utah last year, was near 100 percent health-wise with regards to their defense. So the biggest thing is in the Utah game, they had the likes of Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar, Chaz Ayu, all guys who later in the season suffered season-ending injuries, and that contributed to the malaise, the kind of the the fall off that BYU's defense had a year ago, especially the tail end of the season. They they were a shell of their former selves on defense in the back half of last season. I'm not trying to say that as an excuse. It's just simply the facts. Is when you have health, it gives you a better opportunity. So right now, if Cameron Rising were uh, leading this Utah offense, I would give the slight edge to Utah offensively just due to the fact that they have a lot of continuity and BYU is bringing back guys off of injury. You're not 100% certain uh, how they would do. I'm also uh, saying this in the, in the sense that we would probably see this game if it were being played early on this season the first, second, or third game of the year. So there's guys like Keenan Peely coming back off an ACL, Terrapate Payton Wilgar with shoulder issues. Uh, Chaz Ayu had multiple ailments that he forced him out last season. If any of them were limited early on this season, that I think would give the edge even more to Utah. But I think as it is, if you had both of these units, Utah's offense going against BYU's defense at 100%, with Cameron Rising, Bad Moon himself leading the Utes on offense, I would give the slight edge to the Utes.
0: That's how you know it used to be locked on Utah's right there. The bad moon rising reference. I love it, Jake. And I think 100%, I kind of mentioned it in the opening early on, talking about BYU's defense as well, with that Utah got – more of what made BYU's defense early on in the season and if you look at some of those end of the season numbers they are very deceptive mm-hmm. because of all those injuries but I also agree with you as well that with Cam rising in there um, I think it would be a great battle in the trenches between these two teams you get a guy like Brayden Daniels and you also get a guy like Tyler Batty yeah. who is another guy who's going to be in the NFL discussion as well so I think it would be a lot of fun to watch and that's a battle that BYU absolutely dominated last year Utah really struggled to run the football against that BYU front a year ago and I would really be excited to see that battle as well, but they do have a quarterback now who the game falls like that. You even mentioned a guy like Dalton Kincaid who got more comfortable as the season wore on as well. Tavion Thomas kind of cleaned up the fumbling issues, and this year I think it's also one of those things where I think Tavion is going to have a good year, but if he struggles a little bit, there's a guy in Jalen Glover who's knocking on the door mm-hmm. and going to come up next there, but I think it would be a fun matchup. I think there's a guy for Utah Devon Vele who has a really good chance to have a strong breakout season, but there's also some guys when we're talking about BYU, I'm looking at guys like the Vanderbilt transfer, uh, Gabe Judy Lally. Did Mm -hmm. I say his name right, Jake? Correct. (laughs) So, get a Vanderbilt transfer coming over. We already know what a guy like Malik Moore can do in the secondary as well, so watching the chess match kind of between him and Rising, I think would be really fun to see how it plays as well, and like you mentioned as well, this game, if it was played, would also be earlier in the season, and we're going to talk about it kind of later on, like the different variables of this game, if it was played at BYU, if it was played at Utah, if this game was played this year, it would more than likely be played at Utah as well. Yeah. So it's going to be nice and quiet when the offense is trying to go to work, which would definitely be another boost for Utah as well. But I I agree with you. I think camizing being in there, especially being early in the season, gives the Utes a slight edge. Can I?
1: And I want to ask you one question on this, JT. Just uh, you've been covering Utah. You went to the U. Is there, a, a, I guess, one facet of the Utah offense that you feel like as compared to it, so essentially going back a year, it's not, it's not a full year, obviously, since BYU and Utah last played, but is there a unit outside the quarterback position that you feel like is more well-established than they were last year when BYU and the Cougars squared off, uh, Utes and the Cougars squared off?
0: Yeah, I think Tavion Thomas said by no means had grips on running back one at that point as he's coming into the season mm-hmm. as running back one. And we know anything can change that depending on a bad game. And he struggled with fumble issues early in the year. So that's something that could definitely take effect. Um, but I would say him for sure. Um, one thing that helped ended up helping Utah was kind of the it like Bammel Aseni really stepped up at left tackle kind of post. He got a little bit of work in during the BYU game, but he didn't enter that one as the true starter. So it'll be interesting to see how Braden Daniels go there. Goes over there. It's a position I think he'll handle well, even though he's going to be an NFL guard. And the other thing I'll say is. Um, this is It's an interesting thing because I feel like people around Utah, we all expect Devon Bailey to break out and feel like he's more established. But by no means is any team going in versus Utah going, we got to stop these wide receivers. So I feel like the receiver position is in better hands this year, even though there isn't a guy like a Britton Covey. And that's something we're not going to really touch on the special teams aspects. That's definitely something that be interesting to see how Utah kind of picks up the lack of is without Covey. But guys like Makai Cope, I think Solomon Eas, even though he's been a, a reliable guy not a super productive guy but a reliable guy so I think the receiver position and the running back would probably be the two I look for in that regard and is there any with uh, BYU that you feel that way about?
1: Uh the, the funny thing about this, BYU ran the ball super effective last year. We all know that Tyler Algier had an absolutely monster season. I'm telling you, this offensive line for BYU, and we'll talk. We're going to talk more about BYU's offense here in a minute. Uh, the offensive line for BYU is absolutely elite. But the uh, the thing on the defensive side for BYU that I really liked, it's probably better established than it was a year ago, is the defensive backs, especially the safety group. You, you mentioned Malik Moore. Malik Moore is going to be BYU's lead safety this year. He is, he's really morphed into a really really reliable guy on the back end of BYU's defense, but even that early on last season, you weren't 100% certain on Malik Moore, D'Angelo Mandel, you had guys like Isaiah Heron out there, Caleb Hayes at the cornerback spots. Uh, Just the the rotation hadn't really settled itself. The nice part is BYU's defensive secondary sure looks a lot more established this year. You mentioned Gabe Judy Lally, the grad transfer coming in from Vanderbilt. He figures to enter the mix as a potential starter right away for BYU as well. So uh, if you were to ask for one of those, I'd probably say the defensive backfield is a sure lot more
0: set than it was a year ago for the Cougars. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you mentioned Gabe again. I appreciate you reassuring me on the pronunciation. Me and Jake actually worked together last year, calling Mm -hmm. football games And that very first game. Me and Jake did together. There were points in that game. I was just handing Jake, my roster (laughs) sheet being like, take the pronunciation. I don't got it. So I appreciate that. You're always there to bail me out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I got you, man. And looking forward to, by the way, another great high school season to come.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun one. A lot of good talent in the state, and as we know, there's a lot of great college teams in the state as well. We're breaking it down here. We're going to move on to the defensive side of the ball for the youth and the offensive side for the Cougars in just a moment. But first, I want to use this opportunity to tell you guys about BetOnlineNet. BetOnlineNet is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. It's college football and NFL season right around the corner, as well as Major League Baseball baseball still in the swing of things firmly post all-star break there is a ton of great lines out there for you guys to take advantage of and i would highly encourage you to do it bet line net the national media is always lower on teams from utah as you guys know so it's a great time to get in cash in at bet online where they continue to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered bet online where the game starts Okay, so looking at it, we talked about it. We both gave the Utes the slight edge offensively, but now we're going to turn it over to the other side. And you kind of mentioned this is a BYU team that's really good at running the ball. And even though you lose your lead back last year, you gain a guy from Christopher Brooks to he had interest from Notre Dame, Purdue. So the running game, in my opinion, really shouldn't miss a beat. So I think it's, this is going to be a really fun matchup, especially you get guys like Utah. Like, yes, you lost a junior to Funa as well as a poo Tau, but I Excuse me, Junior Tufua is still there. You lose could uh, how, how Tufua. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Mika Tafua. You um, lose that, but they're still really good guys there. Devin Lloyd not being there, but still solid linebackers. So I think this is a really fun side of the ball. I'm actually I'm still not entirely sure who I'm going to give the H to even Jake. So I I would love to hear who you think has it.
1: Uh, so, I'm actually going to uh, say that BYU's offense, I feel like, has the edge, especially considering the, the, the unsettled nature of Utah's linebackers. And I'm not saying that Utah's linebackers aren't talented. They have a glut of linebackers. It's crazy to look at the roster for Utah. I've looked at it. You have just, it feels like 25 guys at linebacker for Utah. I know it's a little, bit, uh, it's a little hyperbole there, but the biggest thing is, is a guy like Jaron Hall enters now what is going to be at his second, maybe, you could really consider maybe his third season as a Starting quarterback for BYU, but at least his second is the full-time starter for BYU. He should be all that more settled. He should be uh, even more effective than he was against Utah a year ago, and he was plenty effective in that game, especially with his feet uh, running the ball. So, I think with the turnover at linebacker for Utah, uh, you lose a guy like Mika Tafua, Hawati Pututel up front for Utah. They're going to just reload their defensive line. There's no doubt about that. But I just think with a little bit of an unsettled nature early on this season for Utah with some of those positions, you mentioned Devin Lloyd exiting, Nephi Sewell exiting, I think BYU's offense has the advantage with a veteran offensive line, I think actually a better offensive line than a year ago, an established quarterback who was already very effective against Utah one year ago as well. I think BYU's wide receiving core is probably a little thinner than it was a year ago. The tight end position is a little more unsettled. But I think the running game will give BYU the edge in this matchup. But I'd love to hear your rebuttal to that because – there's a lot of moving parts, obviously, with both of these teams, and this is a completely hypothetical matchup, but I'm just going off kind of the premise, and we'll we'll talk more about parameters of where this game is being played, that type of stuff. I just think with some of the turnover on the front side of, of Utah's defense, the front seven, the linebackers, the defensive line, would give BYU a slight edge, in my opinion. So essentially it would be offense versus offense in many ways with the two
0: advantages in my mind and I, I really do agree with that honestly because when you look about it whenever you have two elite quarterbacks it's just it's always going to be hard to stop a great offense or a really good offense no matter what it is because you're still no matter what the defense is trying to do you're still reacting or trying to stop what that offense is trying to do and you got a guy in Jared Hall as you mentioned who is another guy in that first round quarterback conversation for me as well I think he is a lights out quarterback we saw what he could do versus Utah and that was when Utah had yes Clark Phillips of course he was only tech a freshman, he's not. He still played the COVID year, so still got some experience. But um, he was still out there and played really strong. And but guys like J. Travis Broadham were still healthy, and yeah. he was really good in that game as well. And that was something that he had no problem still dicing up. And even you get a guy like R.J. Hubert and Cole Bishop at safety, who I feel like are still really good safeties. This is one of the best quarterbacks they're going to play all year, and he's going to be tested. And you mentioned um, some of the departure of the tight end as well, and kind of some of the receivers. But you still got guys in the uh, in Romney as well who are experienced, able to get it done, that would definitely test the Utes as well and there is still no defense for a perfectly placed ball as well and we know that Hall is capable of doing that and you talked about this offensive line I mean, Blake, Blake Freeland, Clark Barrington, these are guys who just get it done and I think it would be an awesome matchup but I don't think there's many teams in the country that are going to prevent BYU from running the football So, and we've already mentioned Christopher Brooks, a veteran guy that would yeah. be tough and get it done in between the tackles so i think it'll be interesting to see push and no matter when this game is played it is early in the season i'm high on lander barton i'm high on justin medlock they're both true freshmen coming in and this could be one of those games where they go back and watch on tape to me and they're like man that was a rude awakening i can't believe we Play that offensive line, uh, especially maybe look, they'll get a good taste of it versus a team like Florida. But even Florida doesn't have an offensive line like BYU, especially guys that are so fundamentally and technique wise so sound. So I'm going to agree with you. I really am. I'm going to give BYU the edge offensively as well. And I think this is going to be a high scoring game.
1: Well, and that, that that's the thing about it. I, I think this would be a game where it'd be it'd be more of a classic kind of type of shootout in my mind, just with these two going back and forth. The one thing I think, uh, Utah fans, uh, if you're looking at BYU, the biggest thing to pay attention to is Christopher Brooks going behind an offensive line that returns four of the five starters a year ago, and the fifth guy who was technically not the returning starter was Connor Pay, who started half the games a year ago because James Empey got hurt. So the BYU rush attack, I know that the Tyler Algier's off to the NFL, he's going to be with the Atlanta Falcons, and I think he's going to have a fantastic rookie season out there. The biggest thing is, I don't see much falloff, and that's the thing. BYU may not have as potent a passing attack as they had against Utah a year ago, but the rush attack, it's going to be, I think, right there. I think it's going to be probably as good and potentially even better just with the returning offensive line uh, that BYU's got up in front. So it'll be interesting.
0: I think this is BYU team as well. that's going to run the football on Notre Dame. So that's how good that I think this BYU offensive line, it's not really a slight against Utah. And it's the same thing against Oregon. I think they're they're going to play Arkansas. All these teams, I expect Brooks to go over a hundred yards in it because that's their identity. I think they're going to stay committed to
1: it. And and let me, let me add one thing. Junior Tafuna is a guy that I would love to have at BYU. Like he is, he is just, He's the next great Utah defensive tackle that's going to make a boatload of money in the NFL. I love Van Fillinger. I love guys like Mickey Suga, Taranga. I, I, the Utah defensive line, it, it, there's nothing wrong with what they've got. Devin Kafusi, a former BYU Cougar in his own right, a transfer to the University of Utah. He's probably going to start at defensive tackle. The, the matchup of this offensive versus defensive line for, for BYU's offense versus Utah's defense would be elite. I just... I feel like BYU is going to have very little uh, fall off with regards to the rush attack and that. So it leads me to think that if this game were being played this year, we're looking at maybe one of the kind of the antithetical uh, Utah BYU matchups where traditionally it's been a lower scoring game. This could be a game where both teams are in the 30s. That's probably where we need to go next is talking more about, okay, what are the other hypotheticals that go into the mix here? But I think this could very much be a game that the winning team scores 30, 40 points
0: totally agree and you kind of mentioned right off the bat how good Junior Tufuna is BYU knows that They're, when you're looking at Utah I think especially in this first game he's the guy you're circling like mm-hmm. let's take him away because I think Va- I mean Van Fillinger is really good but mm-hmm. I think you guys do have the tackles that can hang with him one on one some plays Fillinger would win but some plays as well BYU would win so definitely a fun matchup where we both agree that BYU has the edge so we've given the edge to both teams we're going to talk about who we think would then get the eventual win and some of the other factors that would go into this hypothetical matchup in just a moment but first I want to tell you guys about intercap lending there is a reason that no lender helps more families in utah with their mortgage needs intercap gets deals done quick and simple processes intercap closes loans two weeks faster than the industry average and though fast is great the ultimate goal is to create a stress free home loan process and that is what locked on's personal loan officer steve carter has delivered to hundreds of locked on listeners so far including locked On's sound Locked On's founder, David Locke. And let's be honest, if Steve can help keep David on track through the entire process, Steve can help anyone. Intercap is headquartered here in Utah, but licensed to help you with all your mortgage needs in 40 states. Give Steve a call. His direct number is 385-885-28. You will not find a more responsive loan officer. NMLS number is 190465. That's Intercap Lending for all your guys' lending meets okay so we talked about it. This is gonna. This would be a really fun matchup between these two teams. There's a lot of factors and reasons why on the field that we've talked about. But there's a few we haven't as well. Jake, what do you think are some of the things that we would have to factor into this matchup if it was played this year?
1: Well, number one, it would be played at Rice-Eccles Stadium. BYU got the win on their home turf last year, snapping that nine-game winning streak. And I was at that game. I was sitting in the press box. And just to watch, essentially, the, the release of emotion after more than a decade of BYU fans losing this game the just the, the 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 angst the the I don't know it was it was wild to watch the scenes unfold uh, Utah owned that rivalry they and BYU fans if you're watching this I know we're doing a crossover here they are going to be BYU, BYU fans are going to be upset with me saying this but Utah owned that rivalry for the better part of the 2000s they have owned this century of the rivalry so far the win for BYU last year was huge in so many different ways for the Cougars but the biggest thing is if this matchup were to play out this year it's at Rice-Eccles Stadium so you automatically give the home field bump to Utah which has been a place BYU has struggled with since the early 1990s essentially since uh Ronnie Mack took over the Utah football program going to what was then Rice Stadium and now Rice Eccles Stadium. It's been a little shop of horrors for BYU for many, many years. It's just been a tough place for the Cougars to get wins. Of course, there's the there's the Johnny Harleen play in 06, all that stuff but traditionally, when BYU goes to Utah, it is a very very difficult place for them to get a win.
0: Yeah, and I think and the vice versa. I think there are Utah fans who will watch this and hear me kind of give saying the praises of BYU, but it's then clear that a lot of them didn't watch this BYU team knock off a lot of other really good teams. And they, I mean, it is it's a fun to watch these two teams play mm-hmm. because that's what makes rivalries fun a lot of the times too. And they are a really good team still. So if the only game you watched was the kind of the holy war. Then you're missing out, especially the BYU team that I think is going to get. I would I think this BYU team is going to knock off one of those power five opponents at some point this year and really kind of get people excited for them eventual arrival into the Big 12. Even something like, look, it's going to be a tall task to beat Baylor, even coming out there just because of how good that team is, but man, that would be something that would be fun and it is definitely on the table. But you made a good point as well, talking about the home field advantage. I came to Utah in 2019, was when I transferred in here, mm-hmm. and I'm not counting the weird COVID year because there were no fans in the stands and that's what gives Utah such a boost, are the ruckus fans that pack Rice-Eccles Stadium. I have not seen Utah lose at home and I think that I just don't see that changing this year as well because of what a boost you get from your home field as home field team as well I think the fans would really get rocking and like you mentioned it's the rivalry so you get the little extra rah-rahs the blood pressure a little higher all of that would factor into it so I just think it's really tough to win in Rice Eccles and because of those reasons we kind of talked about I think the offense would get a little bit more of a boost and I do think this would be a tight game but because Utah's at home I would give them the edge as well. Well, and I think this is a game where... Since Utah's at home, I could see Cam Rising outplaying Jaron Hall, and I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation to see, because I think going into the season, Jaron Hall is a guy who is projected to go higher than Cam Rising in the draft right now. I've seen Jaron Hall as high as top five in mock drafts, and Cam Rising, by most people's expert opinion, is it's not that case as well. So he's going to have a strong year too, but I just think playing at home with that ground game getting going, and I think a guy like Clark Phillips, as great as Jaron Hall is, could it just takes that one play, and maybe it's a pick six to the house or something, but I think Utah would get that bump being at home where it would be tough for BYU to win.
1: Well, let me add one thing to this, and just in this hypothetical situation, BYU is a program under Collin Sitake that's kind of prided itself on being able to play its style of football, regardless if it's on the road or at home. That's kind of what they've they've aspired to do. the The one team in the last couple of years that took that took BYU kind of out of their style was Baylor. When BYU went to Waco a year ago, Baylor ran roughshod over the Cougars. BYU just seemingly couldn't get out of their own way, and that that was very tough to watch. And that. That's the thing about this, that uh, if this hypothetical game being played out the other thing we need to acknowledge. I think JT is we are anticipating if this game were being played, it's the early part of the season. So I would assume that both teams are near a hundred percent health. If it's week one, two or three, uh, they don't have the late season momentum or malaise that might've set in just in certain circumstances. If it was, if it were at the, towards the tail end of the season, there's also the hypothetical that, uh, this is like the Las Vegas bowl all those years ago when these two weren't playing and they put them together in that Las Vegas bowl in Utah, cruise out to a 35 nothing lead. BYU came running back, but just ran out of time and lost 35-28. to Like the, the thing about this is I think that BYU would like to think that they can play their style of football, the type of style that they played a year ago at BYU against the Utes, but you're right. Rice-Eccles Stadium is one of the true home field advantages in all of college football. BYU has got that from the Lavelle Edwards Stadium as well. You mentioned the fact that this is a rivalry. These kids grew up playing against each other in football basketball just various youth sports they know each other any player who moves in here from out of the state the first thing they hear about is the holy war and the matchup between the youths and the cougars so the the pageantry the juice the the momentum from both sides the thought processes how they the the staffs that know each other so well because kalani Arod, uh the the coach staffs know kyle whittingham as well as anybody there are so many things that go into this matchup but i man I look at this, and it would be an absolutely phenomenal matchup. I actually kind of, and I know that there, this is just, I said we're doing this hypothetically. This is a year that I want to see this game played. There have been other years where I'd be like, eh, okay, it's okay to miss it this year, but with two quarterbacks, especially with Cameron Rising and Jaron Hall, who are NFL guys, I think at the worst they're probably mid-round picks, both of them. To have those two dueling back and forth. We're going to miss out on that because I expect both of them, if they have the type of seasons they're expecting to have this year or they're expected to have, they're probably both bolting for the NFL and we're not going to see this rivalry on the field again until 2024 unless it's put together in a bowl game. So, man, there is so much that goes into the calculus of all of this, but... I, I for one, think we're missing out by not seeing this game this year, just simply due to the fact that both of these teams appear to be very loaded, and it could be one of those all-time classic matches with two quarterbacks going toe to toe.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. You get anytime you get two quarterbacks that special on the same field, it's must see TV, and that's without even mentioning the storylines of hey, Utah dominated this rivalry. BYU got him back. So yeah. you're looking at it from is BYU gonna start to take control of this rivalry? Are they gonna go in and get his win in Rice Eccles for a long time? Or is Utah gonna wrestle control of the series back to them as well? There's and you mentioned as well the, all the local guys that grew up playing together. There's so many fun things. But to me the biggest thing is kind of that loss from last year's last year for Utah fans. That's why they really want it played as well. And I think from Bible BYU fans' perspective, it's like no, we're back too. Like we, we can hang with you guys. So it would would it be great to have seen this game be played, and it's unfortunate we can't this year. But either way, it is exciting that we're at least going to get it eventually in twenty twenty four.
1: Okay, so last thing, JT. I think uh, unless you got something else here, let's give our predictions. I'll let you go first, and then I'll respond. But what, what what do you think would play out in this hypothetical matchup?
0: I think it'd be a good game going into the fourth quarter. I think. Something's going to – whether it's a junior Tufuna, maybe it's junior Tufuna poking the ball out. He's been frustrated all game long and he gets one loose or it's a Clark Phillips interception. I think one of the youth playmakers on defense is able to step up in that ruckus hall, whether it's Jaron Hall, maybe he has an interception. Maybe it's one of those games where Jaron Hall goes for 200, 300 yards and then it just makes that one mistake just because he's on the road in a hostile environment, and that's what allows – the Utes to get the win in me. So if I had to pick it and I'll go Utah, like you mentioned, I really liked kind of in the thirties. I'll go Utah 42 BYU 35.
1: Okay, and I, I've got a similar mindset, but I'm going to flip it on you because I don't think Jaron Hall would throw for more than 200 yards in this game if BYU could help it. I think that Aaron Roderick, knowing what he knows of Kyle Whittingham, knowing what he knows of Morgan Scally, he's going to tell his offensive line and Christopher Brooks, guys, we are running on these fools. We're going to do what we did in 1996 up there at Rice Eccles Stadium. We're going to run for 300 yards as a team. We're known as a passing team, a finesse team. Let's go show what we did a year ago is no fluke. We can run it down their throat. Kyle Whittingham said it himself in postgame last year year. They beat us up in the trenches, and I would have bet money coming into this game, that was not going to happen for my team. That's Kyle Whittingham saying that post-game last year. So I actually think BYU would uh, come in with the intent that they're going to control the clock, control the possessions, run the ball, and run it effectively, and allow Jaron Hall to kind of make plays with his feet and obviously off-play action. I would have it BYU 31, Utah 28. I think BYU would make it two in a row, and Utah fans would be all the more irate. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, no matter what you thought we talked about on this podcast, it is not surprising that we both sided with the schools that we get the money from. Hey, about this. Homer <laughs> radio. Let's go. <laughs> oh, I got to do it. One thing we for sure agree about this on though, Jake. It would be an unbelievable game.
1: Yeah, and that that's no. the thing about that. We're missing out this year because it just appears these two teams would just be absolutely, I think, at the peak of their powers. There's not a BYU team that's struggling for uh, for to get to a bowl game. It's, it's a Utah team that's coming off a Rose Bowl. BYU won 10 games a year ago in a season they thought we're going to have a rebuilding year. It feels like this was the type of game that if it were, if it were happening, it would have been one of the more hyped matchups in the past decade or so.
0: 100% agree. Now, before I get you out of here, just because you were the former host of locked on Mutes, I want to ask you about your prediction about Utah's season, but I'll throw mine in for BYU as well. I gave him some love early on. I think this is a team that is going to go eight and four. I think they will be a top 20 ranked teams because all those losses are going to be against good teams. For the most part, I do think they get one of those power five opponents and get an upset and then maybe drop one as well. That's kind of where the eight and four uh, ranking comes in for me. But I think, like I mentioned, I'm already high on Jaron Hall. I think this is a really good BYU team. And for me, they're a top-20 team.
1: Okay. Utah-wise, I look at this. There, there, there's a, there, There's one key game early in the season. That's the game at Florida. You're making the trip to Gainesville. I know that there are going to be a ton of Utah fans there in the Swamp. I feel like that game is going to be a big uh, measuring stick early on for how Utah is going to respond to the pressure that they're facing this season. There's a lot of people out there who are saying that they are college football playoff contenders or dark horse playoff contenders. There's a lot of people is picking them to repeat as Pac-12 champions and make another run to the Rose Bowl at minimum. I think how they respond to that uh, environment playing at Florida is going to tell us a lot about them. But then the key stretch I see for, for Utah comes in early October. It goes October 1, Oregon State comes to Salt Lake City. Then Utah is at UCLA and then they finish off that three game stretch with a home game against USC. If Utah goes 2-1, and one, at least in that run there, I think Utah is gunning for at least 10-2, possibly an 11-1 season, and then very much in the mix for the playoffs slash role Rose Bowl conversation but those are like I said those are the four games I think are the keys in my mind for Utah if they navigate that stretch three and one yeah 11 and one at least 10 and two at the very worst is very much in the in the mix for Utah I'm fully expecting and their BYU fans are probably going to roll over here and just scream at me on the radio or on you at, at their YouTube screen but I think Utah is making another run of the Rose Bowl
0: I really do yeah, and I feel the same way. This is a team I have. I feel like they're going to end up going 11-1 and one and be in that same position. And depending on who that one loss is to, they'll have a really good chance to set themselves up for the college football playoff.
1: Yeah, and so uh, just to give you one thing on, on the BYU front, I've had a lot of people asking me all off season long, where do you think BYU is going? I've set my benchmark for success for BYU at 9-3. You go you win nine nine games, I think it's a successful season. Anything over that is gravy on top. You go 10-11, sure, that, that's fantastic for BYU. Uh, I think nine wins, nine and three is kind of where I pegged BYU, and I'm with you. I think they could be a top 20 team at nine and three, especially considering the likes that you're facing an Arkansas team that could be top 20 when you face them. Notre Dame, if Notre Dame gets off. To the start, we expect they're what top five at worst when BYU sees them in Las Vegas. You got Oregon up there at Oregon. You got Baylor coming to Provo. There is there's a big opportunity for BYU, and I've got them sitting nine and three is my prediction.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a fun year for both the teams. It's unfortunate we can't see him play, but that's how we think it would hypothetically play out. Mm -hmm. So, huge thanks to Jake Hatch for joining us. You can follow him at Jacob C. Hatch on Twitter. I'm JT Wistersill at JT Wistersill on Twitter. Make sure you guys, if you are listening for your second listen, depending on if you guys are locked on use First or locked on Cougars, check out the opposing feed, as well as the tons of other great content we have on the Locked On Podcast Network including Locked On Pac-12 as well. Thank you, Jake, so much for joining us. This has been a Locked On crossover between Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars.